D&D 5e Character Lab Podcast with your hosts, Garen and Dan. Welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around one thing we as players cannot resist. And that is compulsively creating characters and daydreaming about their validity in-game. Each week we're bringing a new character to the table, drawing from a plethora of our own published content, and scoring it against a predefined table of criteria. It is then out to us to use our own personal charisma modifiers to convince the other that our baby is better. And hey everyone, welcome back to the lab, it's Dan. And I'm Garen, and this week we are dabbling into the business of, of shameless self-promotion by featuring one of our own original supplements, Denizens of the Beastlands, Plains Tribes. This supplement was mostly written and drawn by yours truly, and I think Dan read it and talked some valuable shit about it when it was nearly finished, so thank you, Dan. This features five new races and five new subclasses, including rhinos, giraffes, buffalo. Yeah, and barbarians that can channel the overwhelming power and might of a stampede, or a cleric that can deafen you with its call of the wild. This supplement, like all of our supplements, is available on DM's Guild for just $1. We really hope you guys enjoy the content we highlight today, because if you don't, it's really going to hurt our feelings. All right, so let's get acquainted with the new listeners. I would like to quickly go over the rules for the show. We'll be scoring our character creations against nine criteria. Melee damage output, range damage, magic damage, control in and out of the battlefield, tankiness, or how well a character can take a hit and what kind of healing they have, ally assist, how well they help their friends, balance, how optimized the character is on the overall character sheet, and the last two are smooth operator and spitting fire, where we have a role-playing scenario and we must determine how the PC would handle it in a smooth and aggressive manner. These categories often use charisma-based skills, which can be spells, background, features, or anything else we can think of. Now, each of us will also get a challenge role where we can make the other person earn the score that they're arguing for. The role will use the charisma modifier for the character sheet for a persuasion check. The various scores have different DC, and if the person meets or exceeds the DC, they get the score. If they fail, they have to take the score below that which they were arguing for. Hope you're keeping track with me on all of that, because you sure as hell will not be able to track this rogue I am about to introduce you to. Have you ever heard of a little quagga named Maranyel New Dancer? I'm sorry, what's a quagga? They are a anthropomorphic zebra people that come from the Beastlands. Interesting. They are known for their love of song, their family relationships, and they really seem to have a lot of potential. They evolved with so much thought and care and careful editing and maybe a few grammar mistakes, but that doesn't mean they should have been just entirely ignored. But they were. <laughs> they were left out in the goddamn cold with no one to love them and no one to care for them. So... Moran Yell, new dancer. I mean, he struck out it on alone, trying to find some meaning in this otherwise useless life that he now lives. So he took up the mantle of the stubborn prey rogue because he is out there by himself, but he is not going down without a fight. So I'm introducing you to this level 11 character with the urchin background because no one loves him, no one cares. And the rogue class is called Stubborn Prey. Very, very cool, Garen. Now, I'm going to introduce you to my boy this week. His name is Krennic. He's a former inhabitant of the Tribor Zoo near Neverwinter. Krennic was plucked from his home in the plains of the Eastern Shar and imprisoned at a very young age. Day in and day out, Krennic was subject to being pointed and laughed at, being fed popcorn and poor quality feed, his living space roughly the size of a master bathroom. Krennic missed his home, and he began to despise the zookeepers as well as the patrons of the zoo. 
He heard stories of the Mar Saba Monastery, where a man and bird were equals, and the two creatures benefited from one another's spirit. He began to believe this was possible and found a sense of peace from the notion. Years passed, and Krennic began to practice and become proficient in martial arts, a practice often used by the monks in the Mar Saba Monastery. Though, he was only able to do this at night, because the zookeepers were around during the day, as well as the patrons. One night... Krennic was actually able to escape his enclosure, uh, and he ran and he ran, which he's actually quite good at, because he is a Maasai, which is an anthropomorphic ostrich humanoid race from the Denizens of the Beastland supplement. He's often looking over his shoulder nowadays, though, uh, hoping to devote his life to the Marsaba Monastery. So he is a level 11 Way of the Split Hoof Monk, and he has a Outlander background. Fantastic. These characters sound like some of the best characters we've ever made. Unbiased opinion. <laughs> One could say that we built these characters from the top down. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing quite like the smell of the wild, right, Garen? Yes, I am currently in a closet. <laughs> Folks, if you want to follow along with us at home, simply light up your Scarborough Fair scented candle from Cantrip Candles. Wait a minute. You don't have one? You do know that they're the purveyors of 100% soy candles that are specifically designed to accompany your tabletop adventures in games like D&D and Pathfinder, right? <laughs> they have a great selection of scents that smell like different locations in a fantasy world, like musty taverns, libraries full of arcane texts, or the one that we just lit up, Scarborough Fair. I can't think of a better candle to accompany us on this wild episode with its outdoorsy notes of parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. Ostrich boy is rearing to get his head fully under the sand so long as this candle is buried underneath. But, to be honest, you can find a scent for just about any one of your adventure settings in their sampler pack, which offers nine of their scents for a real steal. Once you decide that you want to buy every single one of their scents, we are happy to announce that you now can, and the lab will help cover some of the costs. When you use the code LABRAT, L-A-B-R-A-T, all one word, at checkout, you'll receive 10% off your total purchase. Be sure to check them out. That is Cantrip Candles, and if you don't know how to spell Cantrip, you really should not be playing D&D. Thank you, Dan and Cantrip Candles, for that message. But now, I think I will stampede us right into the melee category. Maranyal is a rogue. He's wielding a rapier. He's got a plus 8 to hit, 1d8, plus 4. He's got 6d6 die on that sneak attack damage. He also has the alert feat, because I thought that was very poignant for not only a zebra, but also a rogue. So he has got a plus 5 to initiative I am arguing a one. I would argue that initiative is not going to fall so much in the melee category as control. So I think you're more zero worthy here. Well, I know we usually talk about initiative and control, but I think if you get the drop on somebody and you lay out that 66 sneak attack damage the first round, you take an enemy out. I mean, that's a pretty solid melee fighter right there. Solid melee and also great control. So I'll take a one then. <laughs> I think it's a zero. I don't know. I, I can't really see the benefit of how it directly affects melee. <sighs> it was a good try, though. You got creative. So I'm arguing a plus one here. I have a plus nine to hit, which deals out 1d8 plus five bludgeoning damage. And I've got three attacks with my ostrich, <laughs> ostrich feet. Uh, I guess he would be kicking because he's not going to be feathering people. So he's also got, you know, four attacks with that flurry of blows. So I think it's a plus one. It is. And if you look at the really well done art in this supplement, you will see that they do have hands. Much like a Kenku, they do have fingers. It's holding a dagger. I remember the first time I saw this picture, I thought it was uh, smoking a very long cigarette. Actually, it's smoking a dagger because it's such a badass. Oh, okay. Very cool. Whoever the artist was, 
man, we need to hire him to do more work around here. Moving right into range, I'm marking a zero here. Krennic has a crossbow, plus nine to hit, 1d8 plus five piercing, and I get two attacks. Ooh, ah, you do get two attacks, huh? That sucks for me. Okay, well, I'm also arguing a zero. I have got the short bow, plus eight to hit, 1d6 plus four, but I do have the sneak attack damage. Ooh, yeah, the sneak attack. And at 10th, I'm sorry, at 11th level, it's what? That was 66. And at range, you're more likely to be able to land that sneak attack, for oh, sure. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So you're arguing what here? I'm also arguing a zero. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah, you're going to get the zero for sure. That sneak attack damage is a game changer. And that's 36 damage that you're able to lay out. So it's nothing to sneeze at. Man, if you land that, it feels so good. It does. <laughs> how about for burninating? How magic is your rogue? Just a tiny, tiny bit of magic. The Quagga have a trait called Born with Melody, where because they are ki- uh, because they are a Constitution Charisma bonuses to the race, they also get a Bard Cantrip as part of the race. So I took Thunderclap, and that is three D six DC fifteen Con save to multiple targets. So that's a pretty good amount of damage. It is only one thing, but it's a level eleven Cantrip. So I'm gonna try for a zero. It's one thing at level 11, so I, I, I can't really give you a zero, because I'm, I'm arguing a zero as well, but I have key-empowered strikes, which means that every single blow that I'm giving is going to be magic. Okay, so how about this? I got one thing, and you have got very well-worn territory with nothing new and interesting, so we both get a minus okay. one. good call. Take it into control. I know you like this category, and I think I know what you're going to say, because I just have a really good impression of how this monk might work. <laughs> so I'm arguing a plus one here. 55 foot movement speed. Damn. Just insanely fast. So really cool. Uh, I like that. It has a base speed of 35, and then of course a monk gets that uh, unarmored movement bonus of 20 at this level. Also have stillness of mind, but I have an ability called concussion. You can deal melee damage to a spellcaster. They have disadvantage on concentration checks to maintain any spells. So that's every strike that I deal to a spellcaster. Pretty great. Also have the Wanderer feature of the Outlander background, which uh, gives you excellent memory for maps and geography. You can also recall general layout of terrain settlements and other features around you. And in addition, you can find food and fresh water for yourself and up to five people each day, provided that the land offers berries, small game, water, and so forth. Additionally, I have these things that are pretty interesting for this race called Gizzard Stone. So per long rest, you can choose one of the following stones. You basically make these stones within your gizzard, and you can choose from one of the following. So there's one called Earth Heart, which gives you proficiency in con saves. If you're already proficient in con saves, you become doubly proficient. Monks are not already proficient, so that would be something definitely worth checking out. I also have something called Blood of the Black, which if I were to produce this gizzard stone, it would give me dark vision of up to 120 feet. Pretty powerful. Another one called Rare Breeze, which allows you to cast Gust Cantrip at will. You know, I think that could be a good party trick if you were flatulent one night. <laughs> Another one called Mistra's Tear, which allows you your spell save DC to be increased by one. Not applicable here, but I imagine it would probably increase your stunning strike DC by one if you passed, ran that past your DM. I could see that then, being acceptable, yeah. And then uh, the last one is Savage Opal. Uh, which allows your strength score to increase by one. So some pretty solid control here, just really kind of depending on what you want to do. And I like that you're able to customize it once per long rest, given, you know, whatever setting or scenario you're in. So I think all that considered, a plus one is, you know, 
fine. First of all, I don't know that you're that convinced that you're worthy of a plus one, even though that's kind of a long list. It's not a terribly controlling list. And I do want to talk quickly about the gizzard stones. If you don't know, ostriches actually swallow a gizzard stone, which is just a rock. Uh, usually a smooth rock that they keep in their stomach and it helps them grind up food because they just have a beak otherwise. And the gizzard stone will kind of work around in their gut and smash it up and get it ready to go into their intestines. So that inspired me to make it, what if you swallowed magic stones and then you could do magic? Ah, I like it. Okay, so we had dolphin facts for you two weeks ago and today we have ostrich facts. So thank you, Garen. You're always a wealth of knowledge. I was on Wiki all the time about animals. That's right, folks. He went on Wikipedia, so you know it's legit. I am the Jack Hanna of Wikipedia right now. <laughs> so how can... Is, do I get a plus one there? I think it's pretty good. Okay, you can have a plus one. Okay, so what do you bring in the control arena? First of all, I got my reliable talent as being just a rogue. I could treat a nine or less as a ten on any ability check. I have also got the urchin, which is the urban version of your outlander i know my way around cities yada 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 i also have a feature of the stubborn prey called trail gone cold you get this at third level creatures have disadvantage on survival checks in order to track you and the downside to my control is that i have a feature called skittish as being part of a quagga where i have disadvantage on saves against being frightened i'm easily startled those things considered i am arguing a zero yeah, definitely worthy of a zero. Some pretty cool and unique st things in there, so I don't have any problem with that. But how tanky is your zebra? Really tanky because you know rogues got their evasion and uncanny dodge. That's right. Also, the quagga can ignore the first level of exhaustion because zebras have excellent stamina. They do. They have to, they have to outrun shit that's hunting them a lot. <laughs> they just keep on chugging until that creature just gets bored. Well, and we all know that Fruit Stripe gum has to keep its flavor for some time. Oh, man. That was such a good reference, but we both know Fruit Stripe gum just sucks. It's true. Loses that Ma flavor so fast. <laughs> Max agrees. He's pissed about it. <laughs> the listeners haven't heard from Max in a while, so I'm glad he came back for this. <laughs> it's Hey, it's Denizens of the Beastland. We have to bring out all <laughs> everything that we've got. The beastiest boy we own. I have also got... 121 hit points, AC of 16 with my studded leather armor, and one of my personal favorite features of the Stubborn Prey subclass is Serpentine. When you take dash as a bonus action or an action, creatures have disadvantage on range attacks against you until your next turn. So you just imagine you, you pop off a shot on somebody and then you're just zigzagging across the battlefield for the rest of the time until it's your turn to attack again. Yeah, I like the visual on this that, you know, he's dashing, but he's zig, zag, zig, zag, like just, just the hardest prey to track. So I, I do like that feature. So I'm arguing a plus two. I think this yeah, is a very tanky rogue. Yeah, definitely. Uh, rogues already are, are a pretty solid argument uh, for a plus two as it is, but you've got uh, some additional features there that really set it over the top. So I, I'm a big fan, but you're going to roll for this plus two. Fair. Okay. My quagga has a charisma of 17. Oh, it was on a 16 and it rolled to an 8. I don't get it. Oh, okay, Brutal. so you'll take your plus 1. Now, in tankiness, I am going to argue a plus 2. So this is a little interesting, a little outside the ordinary for monks. They're pretty tanky, but they're not wearing armor. But I have 110 hit points and an AC of 16. I have evasion. I have deflect missiles. I'm also immune to disease and poison, which by the way, I never noticed this, but I always thought it was immune to disease and the poisoned condition. No, it's poison. So poison damage. That's pretty great. Um, yeah. Also slow fall. Also an ability called knuckle block. So this is pretty cool. 
arguably a bit broken, but we can get into that in a second. When an enemy makes a melee attack against you, you can use your reaction to add your strength or dex modifier, whichever is higher to your AC, which for me is a plus five. So that would bring my AC to a total of 21. You must do this before you find out if the attack hits, but I would be using pretty much my reaction every turn to do this because why wouldn't you? I also have the, I took the second chance feat. So when a creature you can see hits you with an attack roll, you can use your reaction to force that creature to re-roll. Once you use this ability, you can't use it again until you roll initiative at the start of another combat or until you finish uh, a short or long rest. Also, I have the dodge action that I can take as a bonus action by expending a key point. However, the Maasai allows you to do it without spending key points with a trait called Maasai Nimbleness, which allows you to use the dodge action as a bonus action a number of times equal to your dex modifier, which I mentioned was five. So I can do this a total of five times per short or long rest without expending a key point. So I'm pretty tough to hit. Now, the caveat, I have in the, in the interest of full transparency, I have hollow bones. So that's a racial trait, uh, which gives me vulnerability to bludgeoning damage. Yep. I take double damage on bludgeoning when it does hit, but I'm arguing it's very tough to hit me between taking the dodge action as a bonus action, split up between key points and just that uh, racial ability that I have, and then, of course, using my reaction to knuckle up and add five to my AC. It's going to be damn hard to hit me. Here's my thing on knuckle block. Yes, it bumps up your AC to a 21, but at level 11, you're bound to be encountering some creatures that will definitely hit above that. Also... It's not a guaranteed success because you don't know what the role is before you have to choose. A rogue, uncanny dodge, you use a reaction and you automatically have the damage. So That's right. That was my justification for there. And I know bludgeoning vulnerability is a pretty gnarly thing to have on your character. And it does make you very, there's no other word for it, vulnerable in certain situations. But how exciting is that? I'm not arguing that at all because I think... The Maasai nimbleness, when you have a dex modifier of plus five and you're able to use the dodge action as a bonus action five times per short rest, hey, anything that's going to be dealing out bludgeoning damage, I'm going to know it. I'm going to know that it's capable of bludgeoning me and I'm going to use dodge every single time. That is arguably the more broken feature of, this, of the race, possibly. I actually think, you know, that this makes one hell of a monk, so I'm not complaining. What do you think about my argument for a plus two? There's quite a bit at play there. There's a lot, and even with your negative, it still makes you very, very strong. Just roll. Okay, you got Let it. Let the fates take you. I have a 12 charisma, and I rolled a 10, so that's not going to do it. All right, so let me take it into ally assist. So uh, I'm arguing a plus two here. So I've got a little creative here. So I have stunning strike, as you know. Now, why I'm arguing this is as an ally assist, because if I stun a creature that is hitting another creature or something, not only do does that creature not get an attack a uh, action on their turn, but then pretty much anybody that wants to make an attack against this creature gets advantage. That being said, I also have a feature of the way of the split hoof that at six level, it's called Iron Dervish. At six level, it allows you to move through crowds like a devastating storm. If you spend two key points, every strike you make for the rest of your turn counts as a stunning strike. I mean, of course, you still have to have everybody make their save, but you can just spend two key points and just do a, a flurry I get a total here of up to four strikes. So I could stun four different people just by spending two key points. That would normally cost four, as you know. So that's 50% off, baby. I'm all for that. <laughs> that's and a then, hell of a deal. And then Bogo finally, stuns. And then finally, I'm arguing that this ability called Skullcrack, which at the 11th level allows you to 
expend two key points after you make a successful melee attack to damage your target's brain. The target must succeed on a con save or have disadvantage on attacks and saves for a minute. The target may repeat this save at the end of every turn. Now, obviously, disadvantage on attacks and saves for one minute. You know, if you've got a wizard in the party and he's got an area of effect spell or something of the like where somebody has to make a save, this would be who they'd target. So I'm, I'm arguing that this helps my friends uh, be more effective in their combat. So that is why I'm arguing a plus two for all of this. Great argument. I will give you that. That all made a lot of sense. It's not in the spirit of ally assist is my only counter to that. Agreed. It's it's a lot more control, and I, I will give you that. So uh, if you feel more plus one, then I, I'm okay with plus one. Let's look back. You got already got a you already got a plus one in control, man. You are stacking up the points on this episode. I can't push you down to a zero. It's it's too good. Having enemies stunned left and right is really helpful. Yeah, and also I really do like this skull crack thing where, you know, you're basically given disadvantage on attacks and saves for a minute. You know, and a minute is 10 rounds. So it's like a stu it's like a weaker stunning strike, you know? Right. So I really like that. Great job. You can have your plus 1. I'm going to take a moment to prepare myself for the rest of this episode. In the meantime, I'm just going to ramble to the listeners about trying to help us as great allies and support this show that you guys obviously enjoy. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we love making this show for you guys. We love hearing the response, and we're excited for where this show is going. And if you want to help us out at any level, we have told you in every episode of all the ways you can do that. Our Patreon, even at a dollar, you can get in on our Discord, chat with us. We're having the fan lab battles. I have started building a snarky uh, chat bot that will tell you spells, and Dan can tell you how helpful that is. <laughs> it's great. We also have our t-shirts, and we have our supplements like we're talking about today. Anything that you guys do helps us greatly, because this is a 100% passion project. So thank you all for everything you've done so far, and thank you for just listening to the show. You guys are really awesome. So let me take it into Ally Assist here. I have one thing, and that is a feature of the Quagga, which is the Alarmed Bark. I can give an ally plus two to initiative roll. One ally, one time per short rest. I'll take a minus one. Yeah, you'll get a minus one for that. I do like that feature, though, because it's almost like the alarm spell. Obviously the inspiration uh, for that. Oh, Shut up, Max. Mac Max has given us a preview of what the, uh, the Bark is like. <laughs> Max is always alarmed for the record. He's constantly giving us bonuses to initiative. Here's a category I actually feel... Nope, never let me take that back because I just reread what I have here. Okay, here's a category where I'm just going to be straight up honest with myself. Strength of 10, Dex of 18, Con of 16, Intelligence of 8, and Wisdom of 8. Why? Because these characters exist and apparently that wasn't a good idea. Charisma of 17, 121 hit points, AC of 16. Proficiencies are looking pretty good. Acrobatics, Deception, Persuasion, and Sleight of Hand, all above 10. Stealth and Performance, 8 and 7, respectively. I am arguing a 0, because this is a great rogue, but not a balanced character. Okay, yeah, no problem with that 0. I'm arguing a plus 1, so this is a really fully optimized monk, no question. So Strength of 10, Dex of 20, Con of 14, Intelligence of 10, Wisdom of 12, Charisma of 12 saving throws in strength and dex at plus four and plus nine respectively and then of course if i use the gizzard stone i can also get proficiency in constitution saving throws which would bring me up to a plus six in that category i have acrobatics at plus nine athletics insight and survival check proficiencies 
an AC of 16, 110 hit points, and of course a plus nine to hit. So I think this is super duper optimized, but I marked myself down in balance just because of that vulnerability to bludgeoning damage and against the right foe, uh, I, w I wouldn't last very long. Great point, I got no problem with that plus one. Great, so moving into the smooth operator and spitting fire scenario for this week, it was submitted by our patron, Ben Potts, the ever creative writer he is, came up with this scenario and it reads, love potion in your drink, and now you're in love with the party's barbarian, whom you've absolutely despised from day one of your adventure. How do you convince them that you honestly, deeply love them and to get them to confess the same? I got a little, I got a little creative here, uh, as we do. So I have a trait called Quick Construction, which gives me proficiency in carpenter's tools. Uh, allows me to build simple traps, reinforce structures, or create a piece of furniture in 10 minutes if you have all the necessary materials. Well, I have a lot more time than 10 minutes. So I'm going to build a monument, a towering monument to the barbarian in her likeness. Nice. Yeah, and I climb up to the top of it and I scream down and call her over. I then cross my arms and free fall to the ground, but it's in slow motion, remember. I get up unharmed and say, I know that you've, I've known you for a long time, but I have slowly fallen for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm arguing a plus two. I don't know if she'll profess the same, but it's pretty impressive what I did. Hell yeah, the plus two. You made a pun out of that. <laughs> that was All good. Right, so, okay. So how do you handle this? Well, I got a plus 12 to persuasion checks, so I'm pretty good at that already. But I know words alone won't seal the deal. So then I decide to play a little hard to get after I lay it on pretty thick. And with my trail gone cold, he's not going to be able to find me, but he will find the scavenger hunt that I set up with all sorts of inside jokes from our campaign. Little things I kept to use against him, but now that I love him, I want to use them for him. So little bits like shards of the clay pots that he broke that released all the hallucinogenic dust that almost killed the party. <laughs> the head of Tiamat that we cut off and he almost died. Is this your way of telling me that you hated my character in our first campaign? This is my way of telling you how my feelings for you have changed throughout the course of this campaign of podcast. Okay, wonderful. So he completes the scavenger hunt, and he finds me at the top of a hill under a big sign that says, oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you arguing? I am arguing a plus one. <laughs> it's creative, no question. Not a whole lot of roguish or racial abilities <laughs> included here, but you are pulling at my heartstrings by making personal references, so I'll give you the plus one. Thank you. So let's talk about spitting fire here. I initiate something that I call the boning directive. God. Using my plus 12 to sleight of hand checks, I butter him up a little bit when he doesn't even see it coming. Then I just go straight up hog wild. Using my ability to ignore the first level of exhaustion, I can keep going all night. And once we're fully grappled, I bite back. This is a feature that I haven't even talked about yet. If you are grappled by a creature, you get automatic sneak attack damage on your first attack against them during your turn. And I sneak attack him right in the sweet spot. Oh, gross. Cool. Plus two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can get a plus two. That's that's fine. I don't care how bad the blood was between two people. If you come on real strong and you're really good at what you're doing, that person is eventually just going to go with the flow. <laughs> 
Okay, fair. I'm arguing a plus one here. My pun game is a little bit weaker on this one, but I would actually attack her and expend two key points to crack her skull. And <laughs> when she came, what? well, when she came back to attack me, I would use my second chance feat to say, maybe you should rethink this. Can't you get it through your thick skull that I love you? Oh man, that's a plus one. Yeah. You damaged her cranium and then yelled at her that she should love you. It's pretty aggressive. This is after spending a whole campaign of having bad blood between you. She's just going to think you've just gone crazy. Well, sometimes barbarians have a different love language. Oh, so you're trying to connect with her as a person. That's right. Yeah. All I right. Mean, how, how else am I supposed to, you know, get it through a thick skull? I'll bump you up to a zero for that. Okay, fair. I'll take it. So, Garen, would you end up playing a character that you've made pretty much from the ground up? <laughs> you mean a character that I got to just invent everything and then take it to the table? Of course yes. I would. <laughs> also, this rogue really kind of came together for me. I like this subclass, uh, particularly as far as the content that I've had a chance to create. So, yeah, I'm completely biased here, guys, but this was a very fun thing to do. How and about you? I will agree, I'll agree with you. Uh, this is like a, a super fast build of a monk, which I really appreciate. I like the 55 feet movement speed. I like the flaw. I, I think it plays in well, not only for combat scenarios, but also some role play. Uh, I think that, you know, th that he would have some inherent fear, but also great AC, great control. The Gizzard Stones offer a little bit of uh, fun. So I'm, I'm a huge fan. I think it's a successful monk in my book. Checks all the boxes. It's very successful because you beat me six to two in this episode. And much like that barbarian, Dan, I have to admit that I slowly fell in love with your character this week. See, it's that slow fall, baby. Going <laughs> round and round. And likewise, Garen, uh, some very fun content in this supplement. Thank you. You sound really enthusiastic about that. And I hope our <laughs> listeners are too. If you want to check this out for yourself, stop being so fucking cheap and head over to www.dmsguild.com slash what took you so long, dummy, and search for Denizens of the Beastlands, Plain Tribes by Garen Jones and Dan Beal. It's worth a dollar. We got a couple other things we'd like to announce to you fine folks, and I'm going to shout it all at you right now. <laughs> November is Magic Month here in the lab, featuring the Magic the Gathering meets D&D &D Plane Shift supplements as a countdown until the next major Wizard Supplement release, Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica next month. But first, we'll be welcoming our friends from Interparty Conflict into the lab next week and make the ultimate Halloween-themed characters. Don't miss out on that episode. Why are you skipping our episodes? Finally, Patreon bonus episodes are flowing. We got Fight Club and Monster Lab that release every single month. We've been doing it since March, people. We've been doing Patreon long enough to gestate a baby. That's so for, right. So for $5, you can get on that right now and review the entire lab library laboratory laboratory library to date and start binging well i don't know about you fine folks but uh garen did not pass his intimidation check with me so it was just really annoying screaming so i hope you all enjoyed those updates but that about wraps it up for us this week lab rats and just remember when it comes to pc creation it doesn't have to be optimized it just has to be grammatically correct have a great week this has been a production of the DD character lab podcast be sure to follow us on Twitter at DND Character Lab. Or shoot us an email at DND Character Lab at gmail.com. Most importantly, make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. <laughs>